What it do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Turn Dogs Golf Podcast. This is Liam. Alongside me is Jack. Jack, we had a great week in golf. Tony Finau, run it, start to finish. What'd you think of the week? Well, listen, Tony Finau looks dangerous. If you take a look at the stats, it's like, and I probably am wrong here, but that's two wins in his last seven starts. Something like that. It's crazy to think about. He's got two wins in his last seven stars. And if you go back to the 3M and what's that, Rocket Mortgage? Did he win those two? Yeah, I can't remember, to be honest. It, it, was, it was like within that two or three week cycle right there um, where he won two in a row. So he's won four events in the last four months, five months. That's unbelievable. Very impressive. He is, he's on his game right now. Um, so you love to see it. Guy who finished second, I thought was interesting as well. Tyson Alexander. Uh, it was his seventh career PGA start. Uh, he finished or he played the the U.S. Open as an amateur in 2009. Missed the cut. Uh, played the U.S. Open again in, I want to say 2017. Um, missed the cut. And then he just got his card this year. So this was his fifth start for the year. 34-year-old rookie. Uh, didn't have a finish inside the top 40 on any of his previous four starts this season. So to finish that up with a runner up pretty much, you know, starts him off on a high note. He is now ranked, I think top 20 on point standings, just based That's on a confidence fact. builder right there. Oh yeah. I mean, you can sit there and you can be like, wow, I beat Scotty Scheffler uh, in a tournament. Like I am, I am maybe I'm meant to be on this PGA tour thing after all. So absolutely. I, I love seeing that from Tyson Alexander. That's really fun for me. I'm a big fan of the underdogs. Yeah, you got to love it. I think, honestly, it was such a, for lack of a better term, and I know I'll say this probably three times an episode, it was an interesting week because yeah. in some cases, the majority of the field was, you know, eight to 10 shots behind Tony Finau. We're still in like top 15th place. Tony Finau was incredible, but a lot of these guys that were in the leaderboard, all either shot like eight under or four over. Like it was just, there was no real rhythm in the tournament when I'm watching. I'm like, there's a guy that just shot 62 and a guy that shot 75 today and they finished in the same spot. It was just a really awesome, interesting week. It was great to see on my front, uh, those that shot near even par were still finishing in the almost the top 40, if not the yeah. top 40. Uh, that's a little bit more of the style. I like it. I like seeing courses that really challenge golfers. Uh, not that I don't like birdie fest because we do get a lot of them on PGA tour golfers are just getting better about making more and more birdies, but really seeing a golfer struggle is, is great for me because my inability as a golfer feels better on that friend. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why, like, even as a golfer, like, again, I know I sound, I preface this cause I understand where it's coming from. I know I sound douchey anytime I talk about golf. Cause I understand it. But at the same time, I love watching U.S. Open because they will screw all the PGA Tour golfers up. I want to go see a guy shoot three over every single round and be in contention. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I th there were guys that made the cut and then shot like plus four, plus five on Saturday. I mean, that, watching those guys struggle, it's great for me. Yeah, um, well, good news. Only seven months till we get to talk about the U.S. Open. So, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, do we want to talk about how Scotty Scheffler finished inside the top 10, but didn't have a putting stroke to save his life again for like the, like the 35,000th time in a row, it feels like. Yeah. Well, I'll say he's in the middle of a putter switch. 
Um, so I'm not really looking at, obviously it's, it plays a role into his finishing, um, especially for DFS sake, but I think it's going to take two or three weeks to get used to a putter in competition. I mean, last week you take a look at his putter, his putter was on fire. That was his second week entirely of having that putter in his bag from practice to profession. So this is only a third week with the putter. I mean, it's going to take time, but his ball striking proves time and time again that he is one of the best players in the world. He, he's used three putters the last six weeks. He, he went blade, he went mallet, and then he went to his Scotty Cam and prototype, and he's been fluctuating around all of them. So I, mm-hmm. think, he's been, I think he's on the Scotty Cameron now, uh, if my memory serves right. At least I remember seeing that at some point on the week. Uh, but it, it, right now, it's, it's scary to see that he can still finish top 10 without a putter. It's the John Rombo effect from last year. Yeah, because that means if he gets the putter back into form at all throughout the year, that he he could, again, go ship another two or three tournaments uh, the same way Finau kind of did this week. Yeah, I think that um, that's one of those things that happens to a lot of these players that have their best year, their career. They get to number one in the world. I won't mention any names. Um, but, you know, they get to these spots, and they instead of just kind of carry on the momentum, they try to – overwork things instead of focus on what got you to number one in the world. So um, for example, like last year, John Rahm tried to change his putting stroke. Jordan Spieth, when he got to number one or close to number one, tried to get more distance in his game. Rory McIlroy, he hits the ball 320, but he wanted an extra 10 yards and it cost him, you know, half a shot each round he played it. It was just, it's just a wild thing to see all these changes, but at the same time, if you're the number one player in the world, even if you're a hundredth in the world, you're good enough to make these changes. And just like you said, no putting stroke, top 10. This guy's unbelievable. Uh, did you have any thoughts on any of the guys that finished in the top, say 20? Any guys that stuck out? Any guys that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Aaron Rye, you tool. I bet you three weeks in a row because they were shorter courses. All you need to do is get in the fairway, in the green, two putt. Take your par, take your birdie, move on. You sucked. The one week I say, you know what? I don't like it this week. You know, he's going to go finish, what, seventh? Um, But, you know, Jason Day, another solid finish. Rosie, um, really good finish, but obviously the GOAT Keith Mitchell can't forget him. But Joel Damon, man, is he putting on after losing his card a good stretch in the last 16 rounds. Let me tell you, I mean, top 10 finish. He is looking really, really good. And I am interested to see if he's going to continue. But the guy, if I may branch out a little bit, 27th place, Cole Hammer. You might have mentioned me or remembered me mentioning him a couple weeks ago. UT, um, one of the leaders on the university PGA Tour leaderboard. 27th place. I mean, he looked awful in the first round. I think he had a double and like six other bogeys. But other than that, he looked remarkable. And I think he's playing this week, too. Yeah, I, I mean, th- there was a few of those guys in there. Rye's the one that stuck out because I know that we communicated over Awful. over text over that a few times. Um, I think Ben Taylor was another guy that nobody – I mean, I, I say nobody. I know you probably knew about them, Jack, but the predominant amount of golf fans had no idea who, who Ben Taylor yeah. was prior to this week. No versus expect a top three finish are two different things. <laughs> yes, and and maybe, maybe that's the best wording for you, but not a lot of people – knew the name Ben Taylor outside of it being a fairly generic name. Yeah. And I mean, four bogeys in four rounds at a course where people were shooting, you know, seven over in rounds is remarkable. Good for him. Yeah. I mean that here, that'll kind of lead into some of my thoughts. Uh, We'll go over leaders real fast. And if you have any other thoughts before you get in the lineups, we we can do that. Uh, Driving distance leader. It's Taylor Montgomery. Um, 
Again, Brandon Matthews was not in the field, so Taylor Montgomery leads it. Uh, driving accuracy leader, it was Tony Finau. I mean, you needed driving accuracy to play well here. and Baby cut's sh- dangerous. Sure enough, yeah, the baby cut led him right to the, to the lead on that one. Uh, strokes gained approach was Siwoo Kim. Uh, love seeing that out of Siwoo. He's honestly been playing great since the President's Cup, so maybe could be something to keep an eye on. Uh, greens and regulation was Kyle Westmoreland. He didn't really capitalize on that all that much. He still finished T27, but I guess for, again, a name that nobody really expects to finish inside the top 30, good to see that he did well. And then bogey avoidance, Ben Taylor, of course. You get four bogey, four bogeys, four rounds, you're probably going to lead in bogey avoidance. Yeah, and I will say, I do have to correct you because Brandon Matthews did play. Oh, he didn't make the cut, though, did he? No, he went 76, 71, or 72, I think. All right, let me look at his numbers. He probably did, dude, driving distance leader. Yeah. But he also only played 36 holes. So Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say, there were a ton of withdraws and even a DQ for Mark Hubbard. Um, yeah. Some names, Brandon Steele, Matsuyama, Danny Willett, which killed me, Sam Burns, Austin Smotherman, Eric Van Ruyen. I, I kid you not, well, I think I texted you about Will, and I'm like, man, he does not look loose. He does not look limber. He looks extremely tight. Burns obviously didn't have his stuff. I think he, uh, not to you know make any type of judgment here, but he shot 77. So I think he was looking for a way out. Yeah. Um, Matsuyama, I'm afraid of the wrist. He went bogey, bogey, double. I think something's wrong with his wrist, and it's going to be something to watch for in a couple of weeks, but you know, what are you going to do there? No, I, I agree. Again, a lot of those big names just didn't have it this week, which was weird. So hopefully you kind of avoided the, uh, the, the minds that were sitting all across the top of those lineups for DFS and you were able to avoid some of it. I know Jack and I, for the most part, got through that pretty unscathed, but yeah, Sam Burns and Hideki were the big names that stuck out to me. I mean, Hub- Hubbard, Willett, those, those less, I say lesser known guys, but these guys are, two pretty high tier golfers um, all very surprising. Well, DQs and withdrawals and, yeah. and miscuts going in the lineups. Yeah, let's do it. Um, right. I'll jump right into here because it is actually ironic. Um, my DraftKings, if you played 50 fifties or double up, I legitimately in the ones I entered was the last spot to win money, which in a double up and a 50 50 don't matter. You just got to hit the green. Um, took home some money on that one and on the FanDuel for the 50 50 we were 49th out of 50 so or 49th out of 100 so next to last place for money and same with the double up so made money there no money on the single interest entries we pretty much walked out even in DFS which I'm calling there you go uh so in DraftKings Jack and I ended up with the same amount of points exactly uh the exact same number like down down to the hundredth place uh, which is hilarious because I was also 10th in my double up entry. So, tenth? well, top top 10 in, in DraftKings for double ups win money. Oh, do you do a 20? I do a 100. Yeah, I, I do small fields. Uh, gotcha. for I was like, ups. dude, I, I got do... 49th with the same point you got 10. I'm in the wrong lineup. <laughs> no, no, wrong no, 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 no. I, I, do, I do 23 person lineups. I keep them small. It's I think it's a lot easier because a lot of the, um, a lot of the people I don't think, play as much attention to golf think they can do better in a small field mm. so you, you can win more money on that um but yeah I, don't, I only had four or six guys make the cut so the fact that i still finished decently on that worked out well seb straka was a tough one for me jack actually walked me off some edges on that one 
Uh, I had Sep in a lot more places than I, than I did, which is funny because I still had him in like two or three places. Um, so, so Jack kind of led me, led me correctly on that one, but then Scotty Scheffler, T9, Steven Yeager was a nice one for me, T9. Uh, and then that Jason, was a dartboard throw right there. That was a great dartboard throw. And we will take those. because Sometimes you got to hit them. Uh, but then Jay day, Jason day and Patrick Rogers are both T 16. So I had four guys in the top 16. Yeah. I mean, if you take a look at your lineup, I mean, it's honestly really good. Yeah. Um, one thing that, you know, Sepp Straka talked to you out of picking him and a couple other spots lineups that you can take a little more risk. Cause you got five guys to balance it out. Yeah. Danny Willett killed me in FanDuel Cause Definitely. I had Scotty, um, Davis Thompson, Robbie Shelton, Aaron Wise, um, but that withdrawal like a round and a half and killed me. But hey, one of the 50-50 double ups lost in the single entries pretty much walked out even. So I'm calling it a win there. There you go. Uh, in FanDuel, I actually just missed out on the 50-50s. I was, I think, 55th. Um, it was unfortunate. But again, I only had four guys make the cut there, too, because I had Sepp and Austin Smotherman in both lineups. Um, Scotty T9, Taylor Montgomery T57, Jason Day T16. Will Gordon is continuing to play solid. I mean, nothing to write home about, but if you got T43, you know, you're not you're not hating that at any point in time. So hopefully I can just again, I was a little too heavy on set, but if he hits, he hits big. Yeah. And then I think we'll jump into bets really quickly. I went three for six. Taylor Montgomery top 30 was a loss. That was a bad loss. I don't know. He did not look good, I'll be honest. First time I've ever seen him look bad. Yeah. Um, Aaron Wise, top 20. That one stung because he was in it for most of the weekend. Came oh, into boy. Sunday. Just awful. Um, he was on the leaderboard for a while, right? I think he finished like 21st or something like oh. that. I can't remember. Or 22nd. Brutal. Um, Jason Day, top 30. That smacked at plus or minus 100. You know, plus a unit there. Scotty yeah. Scheffler, top 10, which was miraculous. That... <laughs> Did not look feasible through. S- snuck that one in the back door. Very nice. Absolutely. So that was minus 120, so 0.84 units back there. Brandon Wu, top 40. Um, he was in it till Sunday, and they shot plus five on Sunday, so that was an L. Barely missed it. Um, and then Patrick Rogers, top 40, minus 105 was a win. Um, so we are down 0.16 units on the week, Ooh. up 15.34 overall. Uh, so again, this week, Jack and I kind of, kind of, this past week, we kind of switched up my bets, paid a little more attention to who I was doing in the lineups, kind of ebbed and flowed off of that. I went one for three, uh, Taylor Montgomery, who Jack and I both liked item, a T20 or a top 20. Uh, that was a loss. I had Matthew Neesmith top 30. He was in it for a while, but I think on Saturday he shot plus seven. Uh, that is, he'll do it. That's a quick way to lose your top 30. Um, if you take that day out and say he shoots like even plus two or plus three, he gets that plus 30. Uh, Patrick Rogers, top 30. Again, he was at T16. He was plus 150. Uh, it's a great win to help kind of even out my otherwise bleh week. Uh, so I went one for three. I lost half a unit, and now I'm currently at negative six, uh, 6.35 units. So, you know, I think – we might have to go back on this, but every time we have squad road someone, I don't think our bet is hit this year. It's it, it very infre- infrequent. I think we did it once at the Fortnite with like Cage. Yeah. Like somebody somebody where it was like, yeah, that makes sense. They're just completely priced wrong. Uh, but I figured taking them at a different number might work better. Clearly not. 
Yeah, I mean, Matthew Neesmith, uh, first of all, I mean, Montgomery should have performed better than that, but yeah. he went 64 and then immediately shot 78. So, Neesmith? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, he shot like 6-7 over that one day, and it was it was brutal. Yeah, so that killed him. I was high on him. I actually, that was the guy that I told uh, Liam to swap out for Sepp Straka. Um, so I guess I'll take the hit on that one, but it, it was a better better off uh, penalty than Sepp Straka. I, I did switch out a Thagala top 20 for Patrick Rogers top 30 as well. So that was a nice, uh, that was a nice little swap out. Thank God I did that. So I Shout out Thagala for round, uh, round four. <laughs> what do you shoot? 64? Something like that. He was like five or six under. It's crazy. That's impressive. All right. Uh, are we going to winner's picks? Yeah, um, I'll start off. I really wanted to pick Aaron Rise or Scotty, or Aaron Wise or Scotty Scheffler. Thank goodness I didn't because I would have been disappointed to waste him for that. But Maverick McNeely, 27th, honestly not terrible. Then I had Danny Willett, which he withdrew. They didn't list it as an injury. They didn't really list it at all, but he did not look healthy. So that's what my guess would be without assuming. Yeah, Willett looked stiff as board. So that was a, that was probably an injury. I mean, if you if you pick Scotty as a winner's pick, you're not thrilled. But like T9 is like respectable. But if you're also picking him this week, you're really kind of hoping for that win. Yeah. Uh, this is probably one of my better winner's picks weeks, just in terms of consistency. I've I've had probably a few better if you really look at the numbers, but this is a really good one. Uh, I had Jason Day, who finished T16, and I had Patrick Rogers, who also finished T16. <laughs> Take uh, that. I mean, that is solid, because I took – like that guy that gets rid of Jason Day and Patrick Rogers. Like you're telling me they're gonna be the ones at the Masters on Sunday fighting for the green jacket? Probably not. I'm okay, you know, losing them and especially on something like like this event where where it works out really well. Jack, how did your uh how'd your wild picks go? You know, wild cards are always interesting to me because I bet a little bit on it. Obviously, it doesn't go into our rankings. I put a little bit. I put like 0.1 of a unit on every one just for fun. Yeah. Um, Joel Damon, top 10, plus 400. Another dub. I feel like we've only hit plus 400s this year. Yeah. I mean, that's like, if it's we a plus the, 400, we hit chop the big it. ones. We hit the big ones. Next time there's a plus 400, I'm putting two units <laughs> on it. Um, that was good. Scotty Shuffler, my wild card was a, a winner's pick. Um, he was plus 550, which is crazy to think how low that was a loss, but top nine, I'll take it. Um, top 10 bet, I'm pretty sure was like probably plus. Actually, I think I had it as a bet. What am I talking about? Yeah, minus 120. So we'll take it. So I have those, but then don't forget too, you had uh, initially before he swapped to those wild picks, he also had he liked Davis Thompson, um, and he also liked Adam Shank. Um, Davis Thompson, I think finished to T 43. Don't quote me on that, but I think he was just outside T 40 and then Adam Shank missed the cut. Nice. Um, so, so good swaps in all honesty. I mean, if you're trying to do anything else, then it was, it was a good swap. Uh, my wild picks were interesting. Uh, Seb Straka again, T 10 at plus six fifty. <laughs> I was sending it. Um, that was a quick loss. Uh, but then Thagala was T20 at plus 180. That That's Sunday with 64. He finished T22nd. I mean, he almost snuck in there, backdoored it just like uh, Scotty. Gosh, oh. I his name for a second. I wanted to call him Sammy, but that ain't right. Uh, but, yeah, almost backdoored it there with Sahith. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, all things considered, you take two 16th place and a 27th on winners, 
one for four on wild cards, which if you put even a unit, which obviously we're not doing because of the odds, we're up pretty good. And all things considered from DFS to bets. I mean, honestly, I know the numbers don't indicate it, but it wasn't a terrible week. I mean, especially with the amount of withdrawals, DQs and just random play. So I'm ready to jump into one of my favorite events of the year. If you're ready. There, there was a lot of room with all the withdrawals and, and big names to miss the cut to really have a rough week. We, yeah. we salvaged and survived it pretty well. All things considered. That's um, a better way to put it. As, as Jack says, this is one of his favorite events of the year. I think outside of maybe a major, like this is probably a top five non-major event. Is that fair? It's probably close. It's close. It, 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 the, the fact that it's close tells you everything you need to know. We are playing the RSM Classic at the Seaside and then also Plantation Course. Um, this is a, an event where you're going to see two different courses. On Thursday and Friday, you're going to play one day at the Seaside Course, one day at the Plantation Course, and then whoever makes the cut, you're going to play both days at the Seaside Course. The Seaside Course is a par 70, um, totaling right around 7,000 yards, give or take 10 yards. Uh, they had about 15 different numbers for what the distance is, and it probably will depend on what whatever they want to play at that day, but 7,000 yards. Um, the Plantation Course is at par 72, and it's 7,050 yards, so it's not even that much farther, but you get those two extra strokes. Uh, last year's winner was Taylor Gooch. Uh, I I'll will take not be defending. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll take the bet at any point that I see it for a non-repeat winner. Um, again, not long courses by any means. So you can afford to give up some distance off the tee for accuracy, good iron play, putting, whatever you really kind of see fit. A lot of players will be taking short wedges, 150 yards and under, and are going to be doing those distances typically into most greens. Uh, keep an eye on course history because it does seem to play a little bit of an effect on this course. Uh, usually I'm the course history guy. Jack was doing a lot more research on it this week than I was. I did all of about three minutes of checking to see how people did here and just kind of overlooked it at that point. But Jack, again, Jack's a big fan of this course. So he knows a lot more information on this one than I even do. Yeah. No pressure. Um, when you follow my predictions this week, cause again, this is one that I like legitimately, obviously all the events are on my calendar, but there's a little star in this one, a little highlighted. I love the seaside resort here at St. Simmons Island or St. Simons. I honestly don't know how to pronounce it, which is kind of sad. That was um, why I just didn't say anything yeah. about it. I instantly went to the numbers. Well, when you work Thursday and Sunday, like I do, it's, you have to listen on mute sometimes, which is brutal, but um, six, of the top 40 are teeing it up this week. You might hear that and go, honestly, not the best feel in the world. A lot of these guys are using it as rest and relaxation just because, you know, heroes coming up. A lot of people go down for tigers event in Bermuda there's the two ball events. You're going to see like Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley teed up again. Father, son, PNC, like lack of a better term, gimmick tournaments. Um, so people are just going to take a couple of weeks off stressful season, then jump back into it. Century um, are some winners in the field. I mean, talk about Kevin Kisner. He's obviously, you know, great has won this Robert ain't Strab. No I think ain't no hobby. Robert Strab, who's won it twice. Chris Kirk, um, Austin Cook. Tyler Duncan and my guy Mackenzie Hughes. Um, honestly, a lot of first-time winners, so might follow that trend this year. And then something to look out for, especially for wild card bets. Four of the last six RSM Classics have gone into a playoff. So I mean, that is another. One. I think it was like plus three or four hundred last time I checked. So 
honestly worth a sprinkle just based on the math there. Uh, yeah, you're talking about new winners that, that do well on this or the people that will win for the first time on this course. Uh, I like two names instantly that come to mind for that. Sahith Thagala and Taylor Montgomery are the first two that instantly kind of click into my head for – it'd be good to see them win on this course uh, just, just for the sake to get a win under their belts. Uh, if I'm going for a winner that's new, I want to do somebody on that kind of level. I don't really want to dig too deep into, I don't know. I mean, yeah. uh, Davis love the third is one before, but let's not go down to the $6,000 minimum <laughs> price here and start trying to pick random ducks in a row and hope for a winner. Yeah. And I mean, we're not going to get into winner's picks right now. You guys got to wait a little bit for that. Let us yeah. get into the podcast a little bit, but yeah. We'll jump into it, but um, I think there are definitely some guys to watch out for. Um, like we said, Seaside Course will play over the weekend. So it all depends. I think it's really important when you really settle your bets, depending on if you do it now like we do, and then I do my additional bets early Thursday or late Wednesday when I know the tee times. A lot of these players that play Seaside on Friday have that momentum of doing three runs in a row versus going one-on, one-off, two-on. Not like it plays a huge difference, but if you know the course and you're playing it three rounds in a row, it could play dividends, especially on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you okay? Are you ready to go over the over the DraftKings? Yeah, let's jump right into DFS lineups because it, it feels like that 10k to 11, which I think will jump into the top three. Yeah, Brian you just want Harmon, to do those three though. Seamus yeah. Power and Tony Finau. Honestly, not the biggest field, but this is a dangerous group here. Yeah, I I I think my challenge with this grouping is that it's it's Tony or drop down. Um, in my head, I I think Tony is the class of this field. I think it would be great to get to him. He has one back to back, so don't worry about being concerned over the fact that he just won last week. So I don't you don't know how he's going to do in this week. But in all honesty, this is kind of a range where. When I look below at some of those numbers, and yes, we're still I'm still looking at 10k range, don't worry. But when I look down at some of those mid to high 9k guys, I would rather do two of those guys than pick one of these guys up here in the in the 10k range or Tony at the 11k range. I 100% agree. And I know we'll say this every single time. This is one of the tournaments where you can build an entire lineup on the 9, 8, and even 7k range, to be honest. Yep. Um, obviously, Finau just won. Power won two weeks ago at Butterfield. Um, Brian Harmo is just playing awesome golf. I think if you can get to Brian Harmon in a lineup, there's no harm, no foul. He's the guy that I think is going to stand out in this category uh, just based on overall consistency. I mean, he's probably going to finish top 15, top 20. That's who I would go for. Uh, but I'd also feel extremely comfortable jumping down to nine and eight K range. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. I know Brian Harmon's got, got all the good course history, but I, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, we'll see. Into the nine K range we go. Yeah. Because I could, I could go off for days. So we let me just have at it. Tom Hoagie to nine, eight, uh, Matthew Neesmith to nine. First off, Matthew Neesmith. He's played here three times with an average placement of 19th. Yeah, he just had a very weird tournament. But if you take a look at his three tournaments before that, all top tens, including a runner-up finish at the Shriners, he's played really well. Um, Joel Damon, he has played so freaking hot. Um, all of his last five finishes have been inside the top 40, including three top 15s and a top five. So he's coming into it tremendous. J-Day is having, I feel like, a 2015 year. Outside of the Fortnite, worst finish is 21st. 
Taylor Montgomery outside of last week, which he still made the cut. Which, yep. You know, obviously we call it a horrible week, whatever, 57th. I haven't seen a 20th place finish since like June of last year um, in the Corn Ferry or something. Um, and then Tom Hoagie, again, outside of last week, he's been playing tremendous golf. Sneaky Keith Mitchell, sneaky Denny McCarthy pick here. Um, but I like everybody else here a little better. Yeah, Joel Dom is an interesting one. He he, I remember, I think in it was like Sanderson, the week of Sanderson. I was talking shit on how he had no, like, where was his golf swing? What happened to it? I'm pretty sure since that, or maybe the week after. Yeah, Fortnite, because I think Sanderson, he was that was that top 15 where we were talking about it. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. So maybe it was the week of the Fortnite. I was like, where did his golf swing go? What happened to Joel Dahman? Like, I thought he was good. Uh, but I think, in all honesty, I think he was just happy to get through the season uh, at the end of last season to keep his card. And now he's just kind of sitting there and he's like, all right, I'm ready to go push and, and, and get some, get some good golfing on this fall swing. And now he's playing well. Um, so I like him this week. Again, I like Neesmith. I had him last week as a bet. I still like him this week. I know he missed, he missed the cut, but he had one bad round. Um, so take out that one bad round and it'll be okay. Uh, Jason day big on him this week. He's, he has gained strokes on his approach. His last 14 rounds. Think about that. That's great. I mean, he, that is not something that a lot of other people in this field are going to be able to do. So I'm all aboard Jason day. Also love Tom Hoagie. It's still the fall swing. He's still on the board for me. I will definitely play him. I'm going to, I'm going to probably go back to Montgomery as well. I know he didn't play as great last week, but I'm I'm going to take that as a blip and continue to go until he starts to show that he's he's regressing to a mean, which he might do in the long run. But until he shows that over a multiple weeks system, I'm going to keep getting up to him, and especially when he's not the most expensive guy in the field. Yeah, I think that happens, and I think that helps with some of these guys. I mean, you talk about Davis Riley last year, like top 10, top 10, top 10, 109th. It's like, okay, I played too much golf. I need to take a couple weeks off, just relax and get back into it. Like you said, I think it's a blip, and I think he's going to be fine going forward. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the thought. Keith Mitchell, I don't have as much of a, of a, strong, of a strong suit on. I mean, he's Jack Scout, um, but you don't really need as much driving distance on this course. Uh, more, more so, you need some accuracy. So I'm going to probably avoid Keith Mitchell. Yeah. Just I agree because he's doing like Seb Straka last year, like top 10, 110, top 10. It's just weird. I don't understand why he's this highly priced. He he might play well this week, but just pay the extra hundred bucks and go to Jason Day. You're gonna probably get better consistency, anyways. Um yeah, yeah I mean or that's down hundred. Yeah, or or go to Joel Dahman in ninety two hundred, go down hundred too. You can go up or down hundred, and I would be happy either way over Keith Mitchell. Same same with Denny McCarthy. You go up hundred to Joel Dahman, you go down hundred to Neesmith. Same concept. Yeah. All right, AK range. Who? Let's do it, Matt Kuchar at eight nine. Scrolling down to a deadly field of I say so myself to Brendan Todd. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting. I got uh, hitters. Yeah, you. I I have some interesting ones. Uh, if you want driving accuracy, talk to the Todd father, uh, Brandon Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one before. I like that one. That was funny. I just threw it off the spot. Is that on the rip? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Brandon Todd uh, is is the king of driving accuracy. These are the kinds of courses he does good at. But again, I never like risking him in these courses because of his boom bust. Uh, Kisner is very risky. He's got the course history. I was tempted to pick him, but in all honesty, it's only his second round of the year. Yeah. 
I would prefer to just stay off him. And if he does well, I'll bite the bullet. Yeah. And I'll preface this. Liam had Kevin Kisner and I talked him out of it. So if he plays well, that's my fault. I'll take the hit on that. He he was somebody where I was kind of on the fence and, and, and you talked me off the fence. So again, he might do well. And at that point, Good for it's, it, it's kids. I can just root for him as a, as a golf fan. Yeah. I just uh, don't think his one finish at 72nd or whatever is enough to justify what you were trying to do with him. Yeah. The last guy I'll mention is Patrick Rogers. He's been playing really well to start this uh, fall swing. Jack's giving me the nod. I think we're, we're both all aboard on Patrick Rogers. Oh, let me check uh, if you have a better demo as I'm changing it immediately. <laughs> uh, I thought. No, I, we're good. No, no. Yep, he's continuing his streak. <laughs> Jack's like, you're not betting him? Good, he's going to win. No worries. All right, what do you got? Yeah, I, I love Patrick Rogers. I think I legitimately have bet him six weeks in a row. Um, he's been killing it for me. I love him. I actually like Cooch this week a lot. And I'm not talking about a winner's pick, but if you're looking at a guy that's probably like a top 40 bet, round out, you know, your lineup at 89, maybe not round up, but you know what I'm saying. Fine pick, especially with the distance and accuracy effect. I really like McKenzie Hughes, though. I know you're going to, I know what you said on text, but he has a win. He's won here before. His last four events, 25th was his worst finish. And obviously the International Men's Golf Championship. 50th, but I don't really look at that because that was last year. Um, but he's had a tremendous year. I really can see him taking this home as a winner. Um, Davis Riley, obviously, is playing really well again, much like Tom Hoagie, bet him yep. until Pebble. Um, but Wyndham Clark is honestly the steal of this category. Last three events, top 30 in all of them. I really like him this week, honestly. I think he's going to be tremendous, and I think for the value of this, he might be the steal of DraftKings. Boom. All right, Jack. And now let's head into the 7K range. We also got some sneaky hitters in this one. Maybe some guys that were underpriced, overvalued, ebbing and flowing based on how they've been doing in this fall swing. We got uh, Alex Smalley all the way down to, oh, wow, there's a lot of guys at 7K. Yeah. Uh, Danny Willett, Russell Knox, Sam Ryder. Ben Taylor. Ben Taylor, Kevin Wu. Uh, Mark Hubbard's down here, but he's out. At least they haven't listed us out. So who do you who do you like at seven K? Yeah, first off, I think Andrew Putnam is again horrifically priced. He should be probably in the nine K range. Honestly, his last finishes are like call it the entire year outside of the Fortnite because you know I don't count that. His only finish outside the top forty was the Mayakoba tournament. Outside of that, he's been playing tremendously, including a runner up, Alex Smalley. He is top two top fifteens in his last two finishes. He's also played really well here in the past. Um, so I envision him honestly playing here really good. Um, five for six on cuts in the year. JJ Spawn, another really good guy. Aaron Rye, I will not bet him for at least another week because he's on my bad side. Harris English been playing really good. I know you got some guys I'll say for you. Nick Hardy, this is a risky one for me. He's been playing tremendous golf this year, and I mean tremendous. Um, so I think at this price point, it's a really good one to fulfill. Grayson Sig made every cut this year. Um, two top tens, I think, which has been really good. Um, I mean, you can go down this list for a while. Um, the last one I'll go into that's more of a wild card more than anything out here is um, Francisco Molinari. Oh, yeah. I think that he's got really good accuracy. And outside of uh, Mayakoba, where I think he had a little bit of an injury, but didn't want to disclose it where he went like 77, 77. 
his accuracy has been really good. So that could be a flyer out here. Yeah, I like a few of those guys. You talked about J.J. Spawn. Um, he's been in the top 40 for three of his five um, starts, and he's made all five of his cuts. I know you were kind of big on that. We were trying to figure out how we were going to potentially bet him. Um, I think Will Gordon is kind of of that same ilk. He's just making lots of cuts right now. Um, you could say he's falling off, but falling off for him is like, oh, no, he's only finishing T40 as opposed to T25. What a like, loser. What a fall <laughs> off. Um, two guys that I think are very interesting in this range, Harris English and Scott Stallings. I think these are guys that are 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 still growing. They could be higher up on this board. Um, especially if we get Harris English back to what he was pre-injury. Um, this is a really good price for him. Scott Stallings really should be higher. I mean, at a few points towards the end of last season, he was the fifth or sixth ranked golfer in terms of pricing. It's only because he's played three events this this fall. Yeah. Like if he's played more events, he would be probably 8,500. Uh, the other guy I will mention, Lipsky. Um, he just kind of sticks out to me in this range. I don't love a ton of the names around him, uh, but Lipsky is the one at 7,500 that stands out. And then I had one more guy. Uh, oh, I had Ben Griffin at 7,300, who's just been playing really solid recently. Um, I like him kind of as a consistency model at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, and two other guys that I think if you need to fill it out, I don't think it's a bad option. Robbie Shelton, we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, outside of his finish at Mayakoa 105th, I don't think he's had a finish outside top 60 um, this year, maybe close to 60. So cut machine right there. Um, and then if you go down to Bo Hostler, this is one of those tournaments where he was randomly going to pop up in top 20. I just feel it. So if you're looking for a guy at this price point, you can get away with those two guys, I think. I didn't realize he was in this range, by the way, either. Chris Goddard up is interesting. Uh, again, just another guy kind of like Scott Stallings has not been playing a lot of this fall swing. So I think he could be good worth value. He's a little more risky just because he's not quite as proven as Scott Stallings. Um, but again, at 7,100, if he's your sixth guy, potentially, that is a that is a pretty solid potential for a sixth guy that could easily finish T25 or better. Yeah, 100%. All right. Um, let's get into the 6K range here and, and see who we're taking some flyers on. Yeah, so this is like the deepest category ever. So Matt Wallace, 69, and if I scroll on for 30 seconds, to <laughs> Tim Weinhardt, um, who's Champions Tour. Um, there's some weird guys in here that could actually play really good, in my opinion. Hey, Davis Love the Third is in here, all right? Let's let's uh, let's throw Davis Love the Third, not Tim Weinhardt, all right? That makes it sound a little better. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's his own tournament, so we'll let him have it. But I just want to start off. Aaron Baddeley, once again. Yeah. <laughs> is in the weirdest position because if you take a look at his last three starts, 36, 6, and 69. Now, if I told you those were his finishes and he's 6,500, if you, again, I, if this were a more top-heavy tournament, this would be such a steal, but you can get away with having three guys in the AK, two in the nine, and one in the 10 here. Yeah. So if you go top-heavy, that's a guy that I think you should go down to. Um, otherwise, I know there's a guy you want to talk about um, but Zach Johnson, Zach Johnson played last week, 57th. He's played really well here over the years. I don't play too much into course history, but this is a tournament I love. I see his name populate all the time here. Yep. So at 6,900, if you're fighting for a guy, he's not the worst option. 
Yeah, I think at 6,900, Zach Johnson is the consistency guy. He'll probably he'll probably make the cut and finish no better than 35th, no worse than 60th. Realistically, I would have said 52nd. All right, well that's right that's that's that's, that's, that's within my range, so I'll count it. But again, Zach Johnson probably going to make the cut, probably not going to contend to contend. Um, if you want the polar opposite, Callum Terran at 6,900 is either going to make the cut and finish within the top 25 or shoot plus 20. Um, there is no in between with him. It's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, one of my favorite low low bomber guys that always seems to f- sneak around on some of these courses, Ryan Armour is in the field. Um, I like him. Again, he led the tour last year in driving accuracy. This is a course where you want to be in, the, in a good spot in the fairway. Now, are these fairways tiny? No. But is Ryan Armour going to be in, um, in the middle of a lot of them? Yes. So I like him as an option here. Um, Smotherman scares me because he played awful last week. Uh, I don't know if it's a blip or not, but I let, I'm just going to avoid him for this week. Kind of see what happens. He might get back onto the uh, onto the board, but we'll just see how he does. Yeah, and then again, I think with all honesty, unless you go top heavy, you should avoid this range. There's real no necessity to jump here. Yeah. But if you go Tony Finau, Tom Hoagie, Brian Harmon, another guy <laughs> to watch out for is Tyson Alexander. He was runner up last week. His last three finishes were two, 44, and 64. So if you, again, if you go like the top four guys and you need a 6,700 guy, again, not the worst, but I think you should avoid this range um, unless you really have confidence in a guy like I know Liam does. Yeah, yeah. Jack talks about not going into this range and not being too top heavy. Meanwhile, I'm looking at my DraftKings lineups. I got a lot of money in those first three guys. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. Are you ready uh, ready to go over lineups? Yeah, I mean, I'll jump right into my DraftKings because um, just looking at yours, we have pretty similar strategy here. Um, starting off, the biggest guy I got is Joel Damon, 9,200. I want to get to um, Brian Harmon, but I just really think that I, we, I can get away with this lineup. So 9,200 for Joel Damon, yep. Patrick Rogers, 8,700, Mackenzie Hughes, 8,600, Wyndham Clark, 8K, Andrew Putnam at 7,900, and Nick Hardy at seventy six hundred. That is about as level of a of a lineup as you can. You'll see, see from me. I mean, I mean ninety two hundred to seventy six hundred is is impressively level. Um, I went a little bit more top heavy with a flyer. Uh, that's the wording I'm going to use to call it. Jack might call it uh, top heavy with stupidity, uh, depending on how I'm feeling that day. But I went. I started with Tom Hoagie at ninety eight hundred, Jason Day ninety four hundred. Matthew Neesmith, 9,000. Harris English, 7,700. Ben Griffin, 7,300. And I got Ryan Armour at 6,800. We have zero crossover in DraftKings. That might be a first. <laughs> we do, and it, it, it might be a first. But usually that means that it, uh, one of us is going to do well when we have minimal yeah, crossover. That, I've never seen that before. Um, and then my FanDuel, five of the six guys are the exact same. So Nick Hardy, 93. Wyndham Clark, 9,500. Andrew Putnam, 9,800. Patrick Rogers, 10K. Mackenzie Hughes overpaid for him, but I have confidence in him at 10.5. And then I'm jumping on the Taylor Montgomery bandwagon, 10.9. I think you said it perfectly earlier. It's a blip, and I look forward to seeing him bounce back this week. I think he could do really well here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Monty. Uh, hopefully he does well because I have him in mind fan to a lineup as well. 
Uh, my lineup has a few of the same guys. I have Jason Day at 11,300, Tom Hoagie at 11,100, Taylor Montgomery at 10,900, Patrick Rogers at 10,000, Ben Griffin at 8,600, and Chris Goddard up at 8,300. Talk about a boom bust bottom half. Oh, yeah. The, those two are on the bottom are going to make it real. So I'm playing safe this week and you're playing risky? Oh, yeah. Wow. I got I got to switch it up. Got to keep got to keep it keep it on my toes. It hasn't been working so far. So oh, that's hilarious. All right. What do you got for bets? Yeah. So I had, you know, I had five at the beginning of the year <laughs> and I couldn't help myself. And I went to six this week. I have seven. You know, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I'm going to go for it. I have seven. Brian Harmon, top 20. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, you're just you're just winding up for the 18 you're gonna have at the Masters. I mean, it's gonna be a slow crawl to to April. You know, by the you know time what? everything is, I'm gonna do 20 <laughs> bets for the Masters. Oh We're putting God. 20 units on the Masters. No. Hey, hey, you can calculate all those 20 bets. Then, all right, we are not. I am not sniffing any of those. That's all yeah. you. <laughs> Whatever unitage I am up going into the Masters will be dropped, but. <laughs> Brian Harmon, top 20 plus 110 in this field. Doesn't need to hit the ball a, a long way. Top 20 at plus 110 is honestly a really good odds number for him. He's hit it almost every time this year, so I like it. Um, Joel Damon, top 40 is minus 125. I, I think that's really good odds for top 40 for a guy that's been playing tremendous. Patrick Rogers, top 40, minus 120, same thing. Now this one, this might be and I, I say this with 100% confidence, the most lopsided odds that you will see today. Mackenzie Hughes, top 40, minus 105. He's already won this year, and he's he's that far. I mean, he's five for five on cuts. He's only, are he? I mean, he's not finished outside top 25 this year. So top 40 at a reduced field at minus 105. I, I know it only counts for one in this one, but I have put multiple units on this bet. I, I am tempted. Who would you want to do if I if I did like I would do a Mackenzie Hughes versus well while you uh, think of that I'll finish my bets and then we'll yeah, come back me, to it. Let me think. So I might do a, yeah. a one a one v one on that. Yeah. So I think honestly that's the steal in my opinion, which what is what I look for. I don't look for what you know pattern. I look for good odds. So I put multiple dangerous, actually scary amount of units on that one. Um, Nick Hardy, top 40 plus 105. I flip flop back and forth on that one, but he's been playing good golf in a reduced field. I think he could get 34th. Wyndham Clark, top 40 minus 105. I think honestly, uh, really good one there. Um, and then Alex Smalley, top 40. I just kind of put that one in there last minute. Top four in Houston are tied fourth, um, tied for 11th in Bermuda, five for six on the season with three top 25s. Um, second appearance here at Sea Island. I think that could hit. I think that's pretty good, especially for a guy coming in hot. All right. I've got, I've got, I've got two options. We'll see which one you want. So you can, you can take Mac Hughes and I'll first you with either Scott Stallings or Matthew Neesmith. Take your, take, I think take your poison on that one. All right. I'll do Scott Stallings. Um, All right. So I'll go ahead I, and notate that while you read your bets. Yeah. I just, I just had that one off for me too. Uh, so my bets are all top 40 bets. I still just have three of them. I'm still sticking to it. Uh, this week I took a little more guidance from Jack on my bets. So hopefully I can make a little money back. 
Uh, first one is JJ Spawn top 40 at plus one or minus 135. Um, I said earlier he had made three of his five or three of the five made cuts he's had. He's been in the top 40. So I like that for him. Scott Stallings top 40 is minus 110. Again, I think that's good for him. He just hasn't played a ton. I'm assuming that he's going to come out and not be rusty as all hell. Uh, as long as he does that, he should have no problems getting top 40. And then Jack liked this one, honestly, just as much as I did. But David Lipsky top 40 is plus 120. I, I'm curious why you liked it so much, Jack. Was it just because... Yeah, I mean, his last three events have been inside top 40 at a reduced field and just a pure striker in terms of proximity to the hole. Yeah. Um, I think that's honestly a safe bet. And seeing a plus like that, you know, I, you and I look for different things in Betch, which is totally fine. Yep. I look for more of a deal. So to see a plus in front of that one for top 40, I think is honestly a really good number. Yeah, it's a little weird to me. I feel, I feel like I've played it slightly safe. I've two minuses just barely minus and then a plus 120 um i'm not gonna win back a bunch of money most likely but in all honesty i just need to start seeing green numbers again because it's it's been kind of a a slow fall it's worse than crypto right now yeah we Uh, might need to see a plus 600 for you next week in wildcard (laughs) or bets if something bad happens exactly um all right let's get into the winners then yeah um my winners which funny enough before because we have a spreadsheet that we look at for notes and whatnot but we also have our own before we update this i texted liam with his winner's picks that i wanted to take so i had to (laughs) rotate but both of them by the way the winner and the sleeper were the exact same but i'm gonna jump on a board here first winner mackenzie hughes I, i think that four top 25s including a win coming in strong i think he'd take the cake here at least do uh, what my bet was top 40, which I'd be happy with. Um, and then Wyndham Clark, he's been playing really, really good. Obviously more of a sleeper pick here, but I could see him getting that ball striking in. And if that putter gets warm. Yeah, uh, th- I think Wyndham's definitely definitely a wild card for sure. I like that as a, as a pick for him. Um, I thought I was going to be clear on these winner's picks because Jack already took both of them. But then I remembered that Jack and I are doing winner's picks slightly different. Um, where he's using them three times. I'm trying just to use them once. Uh, I have Joel Dahman and Matthew Neesmith as my winners this week. I, I like both of them. Matthew Neesmith might be one of my more favorited long shots, I guess you could call it. I think he's technically eighth or ninth in terms of the board. Um, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm still going to take him as a long shot. And when am I going to use Joel Dahman and Matthew Neesmith again? uh maybe austin i'll, I'll austin use like Country club yeah i'll use like kisner or something during that i mean that's always a it's always like kisner austin country club because that's match play right am i losing it yeah but he always plays really well there for whatever reason i don't know why well i got kid i i'll keep kids in the back pocket for that one yeah and he, I mean, he also played really well at the uh butler chip and putt which we played when we were down in austin maybe that's why i'm thinking of that that's that is true joel diamond did play well there all right, wild wild card picks. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead since I won one. I'll take it right here. First one's Nick Hardy, top twenty plus two seventy five. Obviously, this is super biased because I used to play with him. Um, just he's been playing good golf, and if he can sneak in a nineteenth place, pretty good bets there. Obviously, not a plus four hundred, so I might have to rethink that. Um, and then last one, Harris English, top twenty plus two seventy five as well. He's been playing really, really good. 
all things considered, coming back from a very derailed injury year. Um, obviously, I don't think he's at the form that he was at, but I think he could sneak in a top 20 here and be comfortable at plus 270. Yeah, you've got you've got two nice guys right around 270, 275 uh, for your wildcard base. I think both of them could realistically do it. Um, I also didn't have the craziest odds for my wildcard picks either. Uh, Davis Riley top 20 is plus 250. Uh, again, he's been playing good recently. He's five of six on cuts. I'm just hoping that he comes through, and I think this could potentially be a week where he sneaks in that top 20. Um, and then I actually had this in before you took your winners, but I have your, one of your winners here, Mackenzie Hughes, top 20 Brutal. at plus 270. Um, he's been playing well. He is kind of boomer bust, but having him as a wild card pick at plus 270 is uh, is kind of a nice spot for me to have him because I, I almost hedge my bets off of Jack. Yeah, hopefully you having it a wild card doesn't affect the Liam <laughs> curse, which whenever you bet something, I lose money. Um, and then I think that's really good. I think we should also, just for the sake, the six of the last eight have been here, a group wild card bet and it being a playoff at plus 300. I think we should each put a little dime in there. I, I, you know, I did look at that and I kind of thought about it, but I was trying to, uh, I was trying to come up with guys unless, unless of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah honestly, a, a playoff pointage on that one. I could have thrown that in as a bet, but he could have, but you know, I think you're having a fun. And then before we jump any further, congratulations to Tommy Fleetwood dominating in Africa again, and Lydia Ko for getting her title back. So awesome weekend golf and including Padraig Harrington, one of the champions tour. So Three awesome victories and Tony Fino. It's just a heck of a week in golf. Or not, uh, sorry. Yeah, Nelly Corda. Sorry. You're good. You're good. I, I I thought I was, I kind of saw what you were going for there. All right. We are going to enjoy the RSM this week. And then coming right around the corner is uh is, is gonna be one of Jack's more favorite things. Yeah, He's what's the got only it. note? Yeah. He's got one note on next on the well, I call it next week's tournament, but that's next week, right? Uh, I think it's two weeks. I think we have a week two off. Weeks. Two weeks. We're getting a week off. All right. Uh, yeah. Jack's one note is Tiger Woods is back. So <laughs> he's yeah, already, what, already And then stoked. if you scroll down just a little bit in the notes right there, you might see it. Might see <laughs> an got, early winner's pick. He's got an early winner's pick already set up for it. <laughs> early oh, winner's pick. I'm so excited. Man. It's stupid. It's two weeks away. But uh, listen, you go from Georgia at a seaside resort one of my favorite places. Then we go to a hero. Then we're going to go to PNC and the match. So we're going to see Tiger play three weekends in a row. I know this, we're not really covering match. I'm sure we will. It's just really fun for PNC, but it's going to be really cool to see Tiger who played nine rounds of golf last year to play three weekends in a row. He could possibly ramp up for a three quarter season we'll see how he holds up on those three weeks. I mean, my, uh, when I see him play three weeks in a row, I want to make sure that he doesn't break down on that third week. That, that is going to be my big test. I want to see how he reacts to this much golf. Cause I'm sure he has not played it yeah. in over a year or since, since the accident, probably. And I think that obviously I'm super biased on tiger. What we saw last year, I don't care what any ESPN guy that's starting to, you know, try to get some dramas piled up for a guy that came off the type of injury that he had just to play nine, 10 rounds of golf is tremendous. Good for him. And the way he did it, he was beating half the field, which is just crazy to think about. So I think it was pain last year. I think now he knows what he's getting into. He's adapted his body in different ways. 
this three weeks, exactly like you said, is going to be huge to tell because now we have elevated fields, majors coming up. I think you could play instead of four events like he talks about eight to ten. I'm here for it. Uh, we will leave you with that, everybody. Please do drop a follow, uh, like, and that way you can subscribe to us so you can get all of our podcasts in the future. We are, guess, probably going to take a week off then and then come back for the hero um, if there's no golf next week. But let's go out there and enjoy the RSM. Let's go see some good golf and let's win some money. Deuces.